Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Good morning. Welcome to Island Conversations. Remember that if you don't hear Island Conversations on Sundays on KWXX and on B93B97, you may always hear it in a rebroadcast the following Friday on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. Homelessness has existed on our island for a really long time, but within the past many years and months, it has become what many citizens see as a true crisis. I've heard from people all around the island who are losing patience as homeless people affect the daily life of many by blocking access to businesses and parks as they live places never intended to be dwellings, including sidewalks, streets, parks, and storefronts. Today we're going to talk with two people who may be able to shed light on what's currently being done to address this issue. Brandy Menino is the CEO of Hope Services, a nonprofit organization that's part of the Catholic Diocese of Honolulu that has taken responsibility for running some homeless shelters and providing an array of services to the homeless population here on the Big Island. Good morning, Aloha, Brandy. Good morning. We're also joined by Sharon Hirota. She is from the Office of Hawaii County Mayor Harry Kim. She formerly was the administrator of the Office of Housing and Community Development, but is now assigned to the Mayor's Office. She began working in county housing in 2002, and part of her job was working with grants to fund housing for those who need it. Good morning, Aloha, Sharon. Good morning. So, Sharon, Ms. Hirota, what does the county see as its role and its responsibility relative to the homeless situation we have here on the island? The county's role is to work with our community partners and together collaboratively find solutions in ending homelessness here on the island. And then what has the mayor specifically told you to do? So when I became part of the mayor's office, my job was to do that, is to go out into the community and work with our partners, uh, seek funding, uh, opportunities that were available, and find solutions uh, to move individuals who are houseless into an appropriate housing option. When you talk about partners, who are you talking about? Our main partners are members of our Community Alliance Partners, CAP, as you know. It's a consortium of nonprofit and agencies that work together um, to find housing solutions. They include Hope Services Hawaii, uh, Catholic Charities, Neighborhood Place of Puna, we have Mental Health Kokua, Child and Family Services, just to name a few. Brandy Menino, tell us about Hope Services. What is your role relative to our homeless population? Sure. Hope Services, as you mentioned, is an affiliate organization of the church. Our mission and goal is to end homelessness on our island. And when I say end homelessness, I say that we are have a, a setup or a system in our community in which people experience homelessness will be rare, brief, and non-recurring. Well, that sounds ambitious, and it also sounds like excellent goals. I know, Brandy, that you were involved with, and probably you, Sharon, as well, with the homeless point in time that happened last January, and that happens once a year, every year, and the results were released in May. How many homeless folks do you think we have here on the Big Island? Here on the Big Island, we were able to find and locate about, I think it was 690 individuals in 2019, in this past January. So it's a one-week count for one night, yeah. 
so when you say it's a one-week count for one night, I guess what you're saying is you've got to find the people on that one night in order to count them? Um, we have one week to find them, to ask them where they slept that one night. And given the land mass on our island, it takes time to, to actually find people on our, in our community as compared to the other islands. Okay. So any idea where these 690 folks are actually physically located? The major areas is in Kailuokona, Ali'i Drive. There's no surprise there. So we identify them as being part of the North Kona region. Downtown Hilo, the Hilo area, no surprise there. Um, and that includes all of uh, the Hilo area. What we did find surprising was that our numbers in Puna decreased. But then again, not so surprising, right? I mean, we know that people lost their homes during the lava eruption last year. The encampments in which we normally go out and identify and survey individuals are no longer there because the lava had covered those areas. So not saying that they're not experiencing homelessness somewhere. They're just not experiencing homelessness in that specific area, so we can't find them. So do you have like a number for, let's say, Kailua-Kona and for Hilo to give people a sense? Yeah, we counted 150 in Kailua-Kona, 155 in Hilo. Okay, so, so those are the two hotspot areas. You know, obviously it's an even split, but I get a sense that the situation is a little different in Kailua-Kona versus Hilo, just observationally. What are your comments and thoughts about that? I know for Kailua-Kona, the feedback we get from the community is a lot more than we do get feedback from the Hilo East Hawaii community. Um, my impressions is that, you know, people are not as tolerable as in other communities. Kailua-Kona wants this to end like right today, and it's not a solution that happens overnight. The more people we move into housing, there's even more people that fall into homelessness. The exit rate into permanent housing is at slower pace than people coming into homelessness. You know, I attended a community meeting earlier this week, Monday night, and definitely there were a lot of, and that was in Kailua Kona. It was sort of a grassroots meeting set up by Nakoa Pabre, who is the owner of Umeke's Restaurant. And I definitely got the sense from the population, the folks who came, about 100 people, was a very high level of frustration. And part of that was just on that Monday, I had observed that there was a couple of tents right in front of Hulihei Palace, which is certainly a big tourist destination. And in Hilo, there are some encampments, some on private property even, but there don't seem to be as many visible. Now, Sharon, what do you say about that? I think you're right. I think in uh, East Hawaii, these individuals or families tend to encamp in places that are not so visible, like Ali'i Drive. So many of them, although they're counted in Hilo, are hidden just because of the environment and the ability to hide in bushes and places that are not easily seen by individuals. The sense I have is that we have a group of homeless folks that Brandy Menino, for you example, Hope Services, you'll offer services, you know, mental health support or housing or whatever. And there are many people who want that. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole group of people who maybe don't want that. So you two are very involved in this business. Nationwide, is there an ideal solution to homelessness? What should we be looking for? 
So nationwide, the evidence-based practices is having a housing-focused system where previously we tend to want to fix the whole person. We want to heal them, we want to get them better, and then look for housing. So we really had to change our practices actually to just be housing-driven and housing-focused. People tend to think that once they're in shelters, then they're no longer homeless, but you still need a destination. And being in a shelter is just part of their journey, but we need to find housing inventory in our community. So having enough affordable housing inventory in our community. But we also need services. You know, people need the help to find stability. So whether it's mental health support in housing, treatment, access to employment, access to get to employment, access to health care. You know, so really just needing all of, you know, housing plus services is what is driving our work towards ending homelessness. You know, Brandy, you and I have talked before, and I don't know how you keep from getting frustrated because I feel like we are having the same conversation <laughs> year after year after year, you know, because you place people and then there's more people. One of the right. people in attendance at the meeting Monday night was Matson Davis. Matson Davis started Kona Brew Pub, and now he is no longer with Kona Brew Pub, but he does have all those buildings called the Brewery Block, which is on Pavai Place, right near the friendly place, place of Kona, yeah. which is where a lot of homeless people either hang out during the day or they spend night because you have an emergency shelter with 28 beds, and then you have the container homes that have about 30 people in them, I think. Yeah, about 20, 22. Okay, 22 in that. And I just want to play you a comment from Matson that explains the frustration that not just he, but other people have expressed about this situation. We've increased our security to the tune of $2,000 a month. We have security that comes by about 8 to 12 times a day. How it's affecting us is that we probably have a dozen people camping and loitering and hanging out on the sidewalks. Every day we're picking up two to three garbage bags full of trash off of our properties. Human feces, clothes, we've found couches, we've got mattresses, tarps, everything. We're probably asking two dozen people a day to leave our property that have been trespassed. They've been arrested for trespassing. They're not welcome in the area and yet are still back there pretty much every day. Abandoned cars, you know, car camping, all that kind of stuff. Now, I recorded that with Matson before the last Monday night meeting. And at the Monday night meeting, Matson told me that that day, one of the people who they had arrested for trespassing came back and hurled a rock through a big plate glass window. And that's the situation that merchants are facing in Kona. I sense a little bit less of that halo side, but there's some pretty aggressive individuals. And as somebody at the meeting Monday night, in fact, her name is Regina Weller, who did homeless programs in Venice Beach, California. She asked the question, why are we as an island letting, there's probably 200 of the homeless people who are causing problems, 100 in Kona, 100 in Hilo, maybe the number is even smaller, but they're sort of holding the community hostage and ruining people's property. So talk to us about the plans that the county has to address this problem, both in Hilo and in Kona. And maybe, Sharon, you want to start, because I know you've been doing a lot of work on this. I know you've done a lot, but I know there's a lot to be done. Yes, there's work that needs to be done, certainly. As we look at finding solutions, some of the things that the county is working on is um, the first project in East Hawaii is an Ohana Zone project, where we're converting the old Memorial Hospital that was previously occupied by the Hawaii Island Adult Care until February of this year. 
they have now moved into their new facility and we see it as an ideal space to convert the space to provide up to 50 emergency beds for single men. Well, when you say Ohana Zone, I know that's words that have been bandied about. What does that really mean? Ohana Zones, when you look at the bill that was created by the legislature in 2008, is very broad. It allowed the counties to define what an Ohana Zone would look like. For Hawaii Island, we looked at it as a place for shelter. The bill also indicated, it was very specific, that the Ohana Zone had to be on property owned by county or state land. And so when you look around the island, very limited. And so this building, the Old Memorial Hospital, which we are now calling Keolaho, was executive ordered many years ago to the county of Hawaii. Okay, so you said you're going to have 50 emergency beds. How long can somebody stay there? And is that meeting the definition that Brandy, I think, gave us that we really want to get people into permanent housing? Tell us about that. In the case of Keolaho, what it does is it provides an opportunity for someone who is living on the streets or in a place that is not meant for human habitation to be in a safe, secured space to get a good night's sleep and then to engage with individuals, case managers, based on whatever their specific needs is to connect them to permanent housing. So we're looking at a 90-day period, but we're certainly going to work hard in providing wraparound services based on the needs of the individual. So that's one Ohana Zones. We are very fortunate that Hawaii Island is getting two. The second one will be in West Hawaii. Again, because it needs to be county or state land, we're looking at standing up an assessment center for families in West Hawaii at the existing Nakahuahale o Uluvini. So the homes at Uluvini up Pinalani? Correct. Okay. Yes. And right now it's a 96 total two-bedroom units. We're going to convert one of those units uh, to an assessment center that will allow families who are experiencing homelessness or at the risk of experiencing homelessness to come in and get services, connect to resources. There are 23 transitional housing units there, and we're currently working with our housing office to change some of those units to permanent and some to emergency housing. Of course, that doesn't add any housing. In fact, it takes away a little housing because those units at the homes of Uluvini, I think, are all occupied or occupied most of the time. So that's not really adding anything. Is there a plan to add? In that case, it doesn't add anything. What it does add is an assessment center for families that is now lacking in Kona. So it allows a space for families to come in and get resources. And if there is space available to get housing immediately there at Uluvini. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations, and I'm Sherry Bracken. And if you don't hear Island Conversations on the radio, please listen to it online or subscribe to the podcast at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. Today, we're talking about homelessness with Brandy Menino of Hope Services and Sharon Hirota of the County of Hawaii. Next week, we're going to be talking about Alzheimer's and dementia with Patrick Toll of the Alzheimer's Association. Before Before we get back to our discussion of homelessness, let's hear from our sponsor, KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local, so you know it's fresh and delicious. 
delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. And let's get back to our discussion with more comments from Sharon Hirota. Another project we're also working on is Kukuiola, formerly known as Village 9, which is off of Kealakehe Parkway. We had a number of meetings. We had a total of three meetings with community members, advocates, to help the county look at what the design of the space should look like. The county is currently working with PBR Hawaii to do its environmental assessment. And although under the emergency proclamation issued by the governor is not required, the county is following through with an environmental assessment. The draft should be out sometime in July for a 30-day public comment. And once that period is over, then we'll hopefully we'll move forward with constructing phase one, which will add up to 30 emergency beds for individuals, individual quote-unquote tiny homes types of units, and people will have shared showers and access to kitchen facilities. So that will increase the number of beds in West Hawaii. So would that be sort of like an apartment building just with common bathrooms? Uh, no, it'll be more micro units in pods, five or six with one common bathroom facility to share in a circular motion on the project. Brandy, the container homes, I call them, that exist by the friendly place in Kona, do they have individual bathrooms or do they share? They have individual bathrooms. I believe it's 106 square feet. Mm -hmm. I think the one Sharon's describing is more like the ones in Pahoa, the Mm -hmm. 10 by 12 square feet detached bedrooms Mm -hmm. with the shared restrooms and showers. If I could just take one step back, one of the things that we needed in order to create this robust housing focused system is to make sure we have a crisis response system. So the experiences and the frustrations and the comments we get from West Hawaii is related to the sweeps. Right. So we have sweeps and cleanups. And then you got the people we serve who are reacting to the sweeps and cleanups. You know, we push back as well with the county and the state of whoever is doing these sweeps. I'm like, hey, we have these great plans in place. You know, the Ohana zones, the emergency shelters, they don't have a place to go because we are busting at the seams in our shelters. We're making additional shelter spaces by bringing out cots, creating safe parking in our parking lot in the shelters. But if they don't have a place to go, where do you think they're going to end up in the front gates of our shelter? Or at Hulihei Palace. Or Hulihei Palace. (laughs) Yeah, the State Department of Transportation did a sweep at the corner of Queen Kaumano Highway and Polani Road. Our Kona studio is right across from that, so I watched them doing the sweep that evening. Of course, people are coming back, and when I texted a person in the governor's office to say, just so you know, there are tents back there, The answer I got back was, well, Department of Transportation assures us they're not on state property. There really is no thought when sweeps are done as to what happens. The people do not disappear. Right. We're already working with people who are traumatized. They're living in trauma, and we're just creating more trauma. So it's not helping the situation when we try to offer help. We're taking 10 steps backwards and we're trying to take 10 steps forward. We also want to be ready. We said, you know, when people do want to engage in services, we want to be ready. So we got to be sure we have enough shelter bed spaces so people can go to when they say they want to and they're ready to. What we don't have in Kona, we do not have an emergency shelter for families. So that's exactly what the Ohana Zones were providing, Kailua Kona. We don't have enough shelter beds for men in Hilo. We have 16, one six. Like I told you, there's 150, a majority of that is single men. So we really need the 50 beds. We need to create shelter flow. We don't want them to stay in our shelter forever either. We need them on a pathway to housing. You know, So we just got to keep creating that pathway. Sharon, a couple of issues about Village 9. 
What's the new name of it? Kukuiola. Kukuiola. Big concerns about putting it very close to Kealakehe High School. How do you address that? We've connected with the high school administration to talk about this project, to learn from them what their concerns are so we can address those. Another thing that's been a concern is feeling like when people are allowed to enter the shelters, whether it's the new one at the Old Hilo Hospital or the New Village 9, that these will be lawless places. Do you plan to have somebody administering the facilities? And will there be rules that say, you know, you can act like a normal occupant of a shared residence or you can't be there? Will there be rules like that? There will be general rules, yes. We're hoping that the community will take care of itself. So certainly rules will be in place. But when we, as Brandy mentioned about the housing first, you know, we're going to take individuals as they are, not after they've been fixed, so to speak. And that is a big difference in the concept of housing first, as Brandy explained it to me Mm -hmm. a few years ago when we talked about it. So Mm -hmm. that has been proven to work. It has been proven to work. And so... The county working with the selected provider, there will be expectations as the funding is coming with expectations. So we will ensure that it's a safe space, not only for those who are participating in the project, but also the community. I understand that on Oahu, they do have something similar, perhaps, in Waianae, maybe, where there are rules and where people do live I will use the term relatively calmly and peacefully. And is all that true? And is that a model that we're trying to use? Or are we looking at the small homes sort of close to the airport that Dwayne Carizu created as the model? So actually both. Pu'uhunua o Wainai is a project that has been in place, self-governed on state land, Department of Hawaiian Homeland. They govern themselves and they ensure that, as I said, the community takes care of the community. They don't have a lot of rules, but they have rules that provides for respect for each other and for the area that they live in. The funding for these projects, is that coming to us from the state? It's coming from the state. For the two Ohana Zone projects, we were able to secure a little over $4 million that will provide for some repair and renovation work at Old Memorial Hospital, but the majority of the funding is going for operations over the next three years. One of the big issues seems to be not the people who will agree to go into shelters, but the people who have drug issues, mental health issues. I've been told that we really do not have facilities on the island. There's no place to send people if they say they want rehabilitation, no real mental health capabilities. Comment on that, Brandy, because as Hope Services, you're probably the first line of defense. We actually recently launched a partnership with Hui Malama Uivinui in East Hawaii. Their doctors accompany our housing navigators on the streets for the last five weeks. On Wednesday evening, 6 to 8, they've been engaging with folks that traditionally may not be engaged with services with us yet. They're doing wound care. They're developing other healthcare medical relationships with these individuals. That was actually an example that's real. You know, one of those they engaged with was ready for detox, and we don't have those facilities here on our island. You have to make a referral to the organization on Oahu and making sure that they have space for them and coordinating depending on their insurance, making sure they get there on the plane. So it takes quite a bit of coordination, even when people say, yes, I'm ready. Is there any plan to bring an effective rehab center to the Big Island? 
Well, I've heard from our partner, the executive director from Big Island Substance Abuse Council, that they're working on a one-stop center, which will include residential services. That would probably be another conversation is to have with Dr. Hanna and their vision of bringing on these types of facilities. Are you confident that's possible and will actually happen within the time frame that we need it? I'm sure we can demonstrate the need. But is it going to happen? <laughs> we need political will and philanthropic community. And, you know, it takes a community to build that kind of resource here. It so. probably takes time also. And I guess part of the frustration of people on the island here is that you said you get complaints from Westway, especially, and they want solutions now. And it's not because the problem popped up now. It's because the problem's been building over years and years. It's not anything new. What else should we understand about the plans from either Hope Services or the county? Sharon, why don't you tell us what the county has in mind? Another pilot program that we will be implementing in mid-July, early August is called Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion Program, LEAD, LEAD for short. It's being spearheaded by BISEC, Big Island Substance Abuse Council. The LEAD program provides an opportunity that if the police encounter someone in a nonviolent situation, they would be able to connect with a counselor who would be able to work with the individual, convince them, you want to get arrested or issue a citation, or do you want to go into housing that are shelters? They will get monitored and case managed for 30 days for compliance. What do we do about the X number, whatever X is, who don't want services, who don't want to go into rehab, who don't avail themselves of what you all and we all are offering? We don't have any vagrancy laws. We don't have any public drunkenness laws. We don't have any loitering laws. We seem to be powerless to address those people who just don't want to be part of society. We've been having that conversation. I said, you know, we can create these shelter beds. And again, it's the folks who are ready and want to come into the shelter and and work towards a housing path. And there's still going to be folks on the street who decline assistance. And I think one of the things that we're doing differently this year, like I mentioned, is the street medicine and trying to engage differently. So bringing healthcare professionals on the street and not really pushing housing conversations, but like how do we just convey care? How can we just take care of your wound? Can we get you connected to your doctor? I mean, I think they connected and filled prescriptions for 10 individuals. So just continuing to make sure that these individuals get better in their health care. And then the hope is that they will get better physically and mentally and get engaged with additional services and a pathway to housing. So we're trying to do that route and engaging a relationship where they can build trust with a healthcare provider. Well, I know that Hawaii County Fire Department's been doing that. They have a captain in the east and a captain in the west who do, in fact, go out and provide wound care, and they connect on the west side with West Hawaii Community Health Center Mm -hmm. to provide longer-term care. Now, Sharon Hirota, I've heard Mayor Harry Kim say, we need to get tough. We are telling these people, this is not your bedroom, this is not your toilet. This is not where you live when they are essentially taking over public spaces. What is the county's position on how we deal with people who take advantage and people who are just wanting to live on the street and in many cases create real trouble, as we heard from Matson Davis in that brief recording I played? Sharon, what is the mayor really planning to do to do, as he says, kind of get tough? The start is to increase the number of shelter beds on the island especially for those who want to engage. And then working on a plan to address those. It's a multifaceted approach. Something we don't have is the detox centers and increase the capacity 
of our mental health providers and and to address those that don't want to comply. Do we need laws so that the police can arrest people who basically just don't want to be cooperative? Because really, we don't have those laws now. If people are breaking laws, like they're throwing rocks at businesses, I mean, just like any other person, you would get in trouble and go go to jail. True, right? but what people are complaining about is the fact that we don't have any public drunkenness laws, we don't have any loitering laws, we don't have any vagrancy laws. Right. You know, people are frustrated. Although people have felt great compassion and do feel compassion for those who want help, I think the compassion is waning for those who are just troublemakers. I look at some of those, and you know who they are, Brandy, because you <laughs> see them outside of your Kona shelter for sure. Yeah. It's the minority of the homeless population. Mm-hmm. It certainly is not the majority. So again, it's like not tolerating those behaviors. No, I agree with that. And so they should get police called and and get enforced. But drunken behaviorness, I mean, that doesn't only relate to homelessness. Vagrancy, panhandling, that's all not always related to homelessness. That's typically not homeless people. From my experiences and what I get from the prosecutor's office, most of the homeless actually are victims of crime, not perpetrators of crime. Okay. What final comments do you have, Sharon Hirota, as we say aloha today? It's about the community, and it's all of us coming together to find solutions. And it's not going to happen overnight, but as we look at creative ways to address homelessness, we will slowly work towards housing those who want to get housed. Thank you so much, Sharon Hirota, representing Hawaii County, for being with us today. Brandy Menino, Hope Services, what are your final thoughts? Currently, I'm also the chair of Community Alliance Partners. It's a coalition of nonprofit and government and the faith community. So I would invite the community, if you want to be a part of the solution, to join us. We video conference between the mayor's office in Kona at West Hawaii Civic Center and the planning department here in Hilo the last Wednesday of every month from 9 to 10.30. Come, it's an open meeting, and join us and be a part of the solution. How do they contact somebody like you if they want to know more? You can call my office, Hope Services Hawaii, at 935-3050. Thank you so much, Brandy Menino, for joining us. Aloha. All right, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being with us for Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. I will see you next week for another Island Conversations. And until then, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahui ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.